that is really coming from my heart, and I and I want you uh, to really listen closely, uh, and I pray that this will change your life and change your circumstance and give you understanding about what Jesus is all about. Father, Lord, I want to thank you, our God. We'll give you praise today. I want to thank you for the Holy Spirit and his work on the earth today. Lord, it's such a privilege to be able to stand in your name and to proclaim the good news, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, speak to us and teach us from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to speak primarily to believers. If you are a child of God and you love God and you have accepted Christ into your life, you need to understand why this is and why you have been called by God. If you are a Christian, better know this. That was not your making. That was the Father himself that looked into the world and he saw somebody that found favor in his sight. Just like he saw Mary, no difference, and called you to himself. You have found favor in his sight. However, when he calls you, just like he called Mary, there is a thing to do for the kingdom of God. So I'm going to start a message today. It's called Passion for the Saving of the World Till the Whole World Hears. Passion for the Saving of the World Till Everyone Hears the Gospel. I'm telling you, believers, children of God, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, it's not good for you to sit in the pew every Sunday listening to a message. I said it in our church here before. God does not celebrate children. Please be patient till we understand what I'm saying. The angels did when Jesus was born. A father's heart is glad when a child is born. A son is the pride of the father. When Jesus was born, the angels showed up and they celebrated. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. The angels sang and multitudes of angels came, but God never spoke at his birth. But when Jesus became a man and was baptized, on that day that he was baptized, God celebrated. The Holy Spirit himself came down from heaven and came on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then God spoke so everybody could hear. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He was celebrating his son. He rejoiced in his birth. He celebrated his sonship. You cannot, as a Christian, sit in the pew Sunday after Sunday, just listening to the word of God to grow and do nothing. Once you become a man or a woman, a mature person gives birth to children. 
God wants to grow you up so you become not a baby. Babies don't give birth to children. And if you are an adult and you're married and you can't have children, you're barren. We know you got a problem. God says, be fruitful and multiply. For everyone who is a son of God, who is a child of God, God wants you to be fruitful and multiply. You have to grow from babyhood to become an adult so that you can begin to produce spiritually. And if you are not producing spiritually, you are still a baby. And the Bible tells us in Galatians that a child, a a child, even though he's an heir and has power over all things, as long as he's a baby, remains a slave. He's like a slave. And nobody listens to him. The devil won't listen. Nobody's going to listen to him. So when you've been called by God, your responsibility is to be fruitful and multiply. The single greatest event that occurred on the earth, well, let me put it this way. The single greatest event that's ever happened since the world began happened when Jesus went on the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, that was the greatest event that's ever happened from the beginning of creation until the world ends. When God created the world, that was a great event. But the death of Jesus on the cross trumped that. When God created the world, God didn't have to die. Right? God did not have to die when he created the world. The whole universe didn't cost him his life. But to save you, he had to lose his life. To save you, he had to die. If you read in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, he says, feed the flock of God. Take heed to yourselves and make sure you feed the flock of God that God himself purchased with his own blood. When God created the universe, as great as the universe is today, he didn't demand his life to save you and to save me. He demanded his life. That's why I say to you, that's the greatest event that's ever happened since the world began and begs for your attention. You got to pay attention to this. It's very, very important in the mind of God. What does that say to us? It says four things. Sin is deadly. Because that was the only reason that happened. That's what it tells us. When you see Jesus on the cross, what he's speaking to you is sin is deadly. You got to get away from it. If it will cause the life of God to free you from it, this begs for your attention. Sin is deadly. The second thing is God truly loves you. God truly loves you. To give up his life so that you won't have to die. You know, when I listen to the words of Jesus, it makes you wonder 
and, and think about this love of God. Jesus was the one that God gave to die on the cross. And Jesus said, said to us, very familiar scripture, we just quote it and we don't think about what we're saying. But Jesus himself was saying, for God so loved the world. You remember that scripture? John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I'm thinking, this is Jesus. He is the one that's got to go to the cross. And then he is the one proclaiming to us that I'm doing this. God sent me so that I can die on the cross because of his love for you. There's never been anything as great as this. Jesus dying on the cross for you. Now let me let you know this. On the day of judgment and it's coming. God's not going to be angry with you because of the sins you've committed. The anger is going to be so great because he died on the cross and you neglected it and didn't do anything about it. That's when the, why the judgment is going to be so severe. Because he gave you the solution himself on the cross and you overlooked it as if it was nothing, no big deal. Well, it's a big deal for God. And you have to deal with it all through eternity. He said, my son, I gave him to you. He died on the cross. You heard about it. And you did absolutely nothing. He lived his life for you and gave his blood, the blood of God for you, and you lived for yourself. Now it's over. You are back to me. This is the single greatest event. So God truly loves you because he's trying to protect you. If God would die so that anyone, no one would go to hell and you choose to go there, there is no stupidity that's bigger than that. There is nothing more than that in terms of being stupid. In fact, you're crazy. If you decide, I'm going, to, I'm, not, I'm going to push that away. And this is so real because you are a spirit being. I have accepted Christ. I know what he did for me. Transformed my life. God is real. God is. Believe me, you don't want to leave this world and find out that God is. That would be too late. If you're going to go on a fire journey and you know you are not coming back, won't you prepare yourself? At least you take some pants to wear when you get there. Prepare yourself. This is serious business. So he tells you God truly loves you. Another thing is sin is condemned. And that's what Jesus did for us. He condemned sin. The word condemned is used in Romans chapter 8 verse 3 because he didn't destroy sin. He condemned it. There's still sin in the world, right? He condemned sin. And, uh, and if you receive Christ, sin is condemned in your own life. And because sin has been condemned, a condemned person cannot accuse anybody, right? Who's going to listen to you? You have been condemned. You are in jail. How can you accuse somebody and try to put the person in jail? Your testimony is not good. Amen? Jesus rendered the testimony of sin invalid for everyone who believes in him and he frees you as a result of that sin is condemned he can't accuse you when you are in Christ he can't accuse you he can't dominate you he can't rule over you you're free 
because of what Jesus did. And it's such a big sacrifice that sin cannot handle it if you accept the solution. Amen? The first thing, God wants you in his family. God's a family man. When he created Adam, Adam was perfect. Guess what God wanted? Not just Adam and Eve. He says, I want you to multiply yourself. Adam was created in God's image, right? They looked just like God. They were not God, but they were created in his likeness. They looked just like God. And God says that I want to have more of this kind of people on the earth. And I'm going to give you authority. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Since Jesus came, God, his mind from the beginning has not changed. When he created Adam, he's back to the beginning. And God is saying, I want more children just like Jesus. Amen. It didn't work with Adam, but now I've given Jesus. I want now you begin to multiply them. Give me more children. And it's resting on my shoulder. I'm not going to allow the death of Christ to be in vain. I'm going to go out there and give them the good news. If you're not doing that, notice that your righteousness is given to you by God. No one can be righteous on his own. When you accept Jesus, as Jesus condemns sin, the, the demands of the law is fulfilled in you if you accept Jesus, because as you accept Jesus, he delivers to you his own righteousness. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, he who knew no sin was made sin for us. Jesus was made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So when you receive Christ, according to Romans chapter 5 verse 17, God gives you abundance of grace and he delivers to you the gift of righteousness that comes from Christ. No one can be more righteous than another person who has accepted Christ. The Pope cannot say he is more righteous than good luck because he is the Pope. No. The same righteousness given to us by God. And God says, I want this righteousness in everybody. Every tribe, every tongue. Read in Revelation. Every tribe, every tongue, every family. God spoke to Abraham, he says, in you shall all the families of the earth, the earth be blessed. If you are born again, that's God's blessing upon your family. It's now our responsibility to take the gospel to them. And they will listen to us. You know, in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, it says, Jesus said to them, after Jesus rose from the dead, the greatest event, after Jesus rose and all of this thing that happened, heavens, notice, and, and you need to see the day, you know, look into the day that Jesus died. How the son himself decided this has never happened since the day God created me, that God would die on the cross, the sun shut off. There was darkness. The rocks rebelled. There were earthquakes all over the place. Because something unusual was happening. God was dying on the cross. And when Jesus rose on the third day, he went to his disciples and this is what he was telling them. 
The job is done. Do you remember what he said on the cross? It is finished. God's not condemning you anymore. Go and tell them, I finished the job. God's not condemning you. You can enter the kingdom. It's not what you do. It's not your works. It's the grace of God, the love of God that Jesus proclaimed. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is believe him. Believe him from your heart. And if you believe him from your heart, he delivers to you the gift of righteousness. And if you receive the gift of righteousness, it's yours. It's now your righteousness, but it is the origin of it came from God. It is the righteousness of God as a gift to you. I can dance about that, I'm telling you. Oh, nothing bigger than that. I got the gift of righteousness from God. Even a gift of a jet is not good enough uh, compared to what came from heaven. The gift of righteousness. You are righteous before God. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, speak the gospel. Tell them, proclaim it to them. Preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. It's my responsibility. If you are hearing these words today from Jesus, he's speaking to you. It's your responsibility to speak to every creature. Every creature. We are to go. He who believes, that's the key. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. No doubt about it. If you believe and you are baptized, you will be saved. No doubt about it. You, don't, you won't have to go to hell. That matter is settled. As long as you continue with your God. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But who, who does not believe will be condemned. Now we go back to the word condemned. When you believe, you need to be baptized. I notice these days, people get, they believe, and months have gone by, weeks have gone by, years have gone by. They have not even thought about being baptized in water. Let me tell you here today, we have something out there you need to sign up. You need to obey the Lord. You know, God, when God says something, he's not, making, he's not playing games. This is a very spiritual thing. In fact, what we do, as soon as we get them saved, we get them filled with the Holy Spirit, the next day we take them to the river, to their water grave. Amen. So they are dead with Christ and they rise again. This is so spiritual. Maybe if you have been born again for a while and you have not really thought about this, your attitude towards baptism is hurting your life. Maybe. Because it's very significant. You know Jesus himself submitted to baptism. He actually, John, the Baptist, John the Baptist was actually trying to protect, prevent him. You know why he did that? Because the Bible tells us in Romans, he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. It was likeness. He was in sinful flesh. There was another likeness in Genesis. God made man... In his likeness. And there was power that was released. Here in Romans 8, Jesus came 
in the likeness of sinful flesh. And because he was in the likeness, he submitted to baptism. Who are you? You need to get baptized. You need to get baptized. Obey God. Maybe you are missing out on the abundance of grace from God because you have not been obedient to this. And maybe you are unaware, ignorant. But my people perish for lack of knowledge. Sign up and get baptized. We are going to have a special Sunday for celebration for those who want to get baptized. Amen? A special Sunday for, to celebrate your baptism. Maybe you are still struggling going back and forth because you haven't been baptized. Let me share a scripture with you. Now, after the death of Stephen, the deacon, after his death, there was persecution and every, the believers went everywhere. And then Philip went to Samaria to preach the gospel. And there was a lot of people, a lot of people that got healed. And they got baptized in water. And Peter and John heard about it. Samaria, we have now moved out of our Jerusalem. We have moved out of Judea. We are now in Samaria. Amen? And people were getting saved and baptized in water. Philip baptized them in water. And... Uh, they were having great revival. So Peter went there with John, primarily to help them receive the Holy Spirit. And they received the Holy Spirit, and uh, Philip was having a great time with those people. And then an angel appeared to, to Philip and said, I want you to go down to the road leading from Jerusalem to, to Gaza. There is a fellow there. I want you to go. It was an angel that appeared. Let me tell you something. When you are involved with carrying the message of Jesus Christ, guess who goes with you everywhere you go? Angels. Angels. They're always around you. And they'll protect you. Unless God wants you to suffer persecution, angels are always around you. They were around Jesus everywhere he went. When they left him after temptation, Angels appeared and ministered to him. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 1 that God has given us ministry spirits to minister for those, not minister to us, but minister for us, those that have been called. So there were angels. This angel spoke to Philip. He said, go down there and I want you to go. And Philip says, this has got to be good. That's a gospel according to good luck, right? And Philip didn't say that. But uh, I felt, I'm sure he felt good. And he didn't know what was going to happen, but he felt good. And he went to the desert place, and then he saw an Ethiopian man, a man of stature, with great power. The Bible tells us that he was in charge of the treasury, all the treasury of uh, Queen Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. And he had been in Jerusalem to worship God. And he was on his way back to his country, you can, can you, are you not amazed at what people do in their time? He left his own country just to go spend a few days in Jerusalem to be with God. Today you have to beg people to go to church. God help us. God help us. But this guy, he was on his way going back and he was reading for for whatever reason, because God was involved. He was reading from the book of Isaiah chapter 53. Who had believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? 
He was wounded for our transgression. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and all of that. He was ridden and he came as a sheep led by the sheriffs. He's dumb. He opened not his mouth. He was ridden. And, and, and Philip got near. The Holy Spirit said to, to, to Philip, that's another thing. The Holy Spirit will always lead you. He said, you see that man in his chariot? I want you to, uh, tradition, traditional King James said, join yourself to him. Uh, the, what we have here, he says, I want you to go and over, overtake his sh- uh, chariot. But notice, this was a great evangelist. He ran. He ran after the chariot just to present this man with the word of God. And the man was reading, as he got close, the man was reading about Jesus dying on the cross, but had no understanding. And uh, Philip said to him, Sir, do you understand what you're reading? The guy said, how can I understand except somebody guide me? They are out there, they are reading, they want God, and God is calling you to guide them. This was a, a, a religious man who had just been in Jerusalem reading the scriptures and didn't understand it. He asked Philip, who is this? He said, come on, come up here. Join me in this chariot. And the guy went in and sat with him. He's like a big shot. Amen. And he says, tell me, who is he talking about? Is the prophet talking about himself or somebody else? And this is what happened here. In Acts chapter 8, verse 35. He says, then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning at this scripture, again, beginning at that Isaiah 53, he began to show him Jesus. He says, preach Jesus to him. He says, everything that you're reading there is really talking about Jesus of Nazareth. I'm sure he had heard about Jesus who died while he was in Jerusalem. Amen? He knew about this man. And so he preached Jesus to him. He says, now as they went down the road, they came to some water. As they were talking and going, the guy is listening but he's looking around, and I'm sure Philip was telling him, if you believe, then you are baptized, and you're going to be saved. The guy looked around, and he saw some water. Amen? He saw some water. He says, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Amen? I've heard your message. I like what you're saying. I like this baptism stuff you're talking about. But look, this water here. What's holding me back from being, I want to join. I want to be a part of this Jesus. What's holding me back? Is there anything that's going to prevent me from being baptized? What's hindering you from being baptized? Look at what Philip said. Philip said to him, if you believe with some of your heart. Is that what he says? If you believe with what? All of your heart. I'm telling you, if all you need to be righteous is to believe what Jesus did with all of your heart. That's all you need. No works. That comes in later. But all you have to do, that's why he's so much... It's, so, it's such a good news. 
that just by believing, your life is transformed. And the old man is crucified with Christ. And you become a new man. And you don't want to do those things anymore. And if you ever attempt them, you feel miserable. You can't sleep. You're a different person. That happens. What hinders me from being baptized? He said, if you believe with all of your heart. And guess what the man said? I believe. I believe. Not only that, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I've told you now, can you baptize me now? And I'm sure the evangelist was very excited. So let's stop the charity. We get into water grave. Amen. And he baptized him. And after he was baptized, that God probably wanted to show the man that God was involved in this. The Holy Spirit took uh, Philip and he was in another place, Azores. He was gone. The guy knew this was God. And he said, this great man went his way rejoicing. I'm sure you have a lot to say to the queen when he got back what God has done for him. How can I understand it except somebody guides me? And it's my responsibility to guide. Don't tell yourself you cannot. That's a lie. Because if Jesus said go, he's saying you can and if you tell yourself that you cannot, you make God a liar. But the real truth is you don't want to do it. You are still protecting your own life. You are afraid of being rejected and we're coming to that. But I tell you what, if you do God's work, he's going to protect you, bless you, bless your family, and bless everything that concerns you. That's what the scripture says. It says this book of the law will not depart from your mouth. Okay? As you preach that book of the law, guess what? You will have good success. As it comes out of your mouth, you're sharing with people, doesn't make any difference. As you share with people, I notice people who are very good at sharing with people about Christ, guess what? They grow rapidly. They grow rapidly. And God gives them greater understanding because they are doing God's work. I'm going to stop here. In five years, just five years after Jesus left, the whole city of Jerusalem, possibly Judea, everyone had heard the word of God. There were even priests. Some of the same priests that crucified Jesus became obedient because they couldn't stop the believers from speaking. They, th they threatened them with death. They took five, I mean, 12, the 12 apostles, because they knew they were the leaders, the authorities, the council arrested them, and they put them in jail. And they padlocked that jail. Midnight, an angel came, slapped the gate open, and said, you guys go back to the temple and stand there and preach all this word, the words of this life to the people. When the authorities got there the next day, probably their gates were still there, but the guys were gone. And they were blinking. What's going on here? And they told them, the guys you're looking for, they are in the temple preaching. Ooh, we can't stop this. What's going on? They were scared. Let me read this scripture and we will close. 
they brought them back peacefully to the council. It says, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest, you know, when we talk about the high priest, you know who this high priest is? The same one that crucified, them, that crucified Jesus, remember? The same man. It was just five years later. The high priest asked them, saying, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? We strictly commanded you not to do this. And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. May Cyprus be filled with our doctrine. Can I hear an amen? May we fill Cyprus, fill Houston with our doctrine so that the authorities are scared of what God's doing. Amen. He's, they said, they were not guessing. Amen. They were telling them what they had already done. You have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. He was bothering them. We killed him and you're telling everybody he's alive and people are getting saved. They are rejoicing. Everyone is talking about the one we crucified and they are affirming he's back alive. We can't handle that. So quit talking about him. And the disciples' reply was, you tell us whether to listen to you or to listen to him. We're not going to listen to you. Even if you kill us, we'll still do it. I pray that God will give us the same intensity today. That God will give us the same intensity and purpose to reach people for Christ. I've made up my mind. My life is made up. I'm telling the Lord constantly, this is it for me. I'm going to, by the grace of God, whatever it takes, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to try to share the gospel. I have plans in my mind that I, I love what's God's happening here in the Ark Fellowship. And I've told our people, we have about 28 of us here last night. And I'm telling you, the time to sit back and just watch is over. You do what you want to do. But I'm feeling God commanding me, inside of me, those who want to go to another level with God. No playing games, no running to and fro like babies, but you want to be serious with God, I want to see you face to face. We're going to be studying together, and God's going to be taking us. This is development so that we can do something for our God. I've told myself, as long as I can still breathe, in this life, I want to contribute a little, just a little I can contribute to these great events that took place when God went on the cross. My life, the blood that is shed for me must never be shed in vain. I want to do just a little contribution. I will give my life to do this. I'm prepared to suffer. If needs be, but I'm going to serve God. I'm going to be walking, all that I'm doing today, I'm going to be walking very closely with our church. In my mind, the Ark Fellowship, from there, that's over. My mindset, I'm going somewhere else with what God wants to do with us. And you're going with me, every one of you.
But if you choose not to, we'll respect that, and God will. But I'm very determined right now, it's life and death. And I'm not going to let anything stand in that way, in the way. You decide what you want to do. As it, as it is written, me, me, I, myself, me and my house, we will do what God's called us to do. Even if no one is going to go, I'm going to do I'm tired of people playing games. I'm just, in my own life as well, I don't want it anymore. Okay? This is not a game for me. I've got to go all the way. i got to go all the way. i got to meet with Jesus. It's a very serious matter. And I'm calling you, church, today. Please join me. But I'm not going to be mad at you if you don't want to. I'll let you be your right. Do what you want to do. But I'm going to be pulling people very close to me and start showing you everything that I believe God has shown me. And I believe that as I begin to show you the things that God has shown me, he will begin to show me more so that we can all go to this journey. We're going to be going somewhere. God's going to use us to reach this whole community, maybe around the world. I believe God with all of my heart. I got nothing to prove but just to live my life for Christ. I said to the people last night, I think a lot these days about the other side. I know it is. I know there is heaven. I think a lot about it. I'm not scared to go. I just know I got work to do. It's not a dream. I feel good when I think about it. The life over there. I know they're watching us. They have your testimony. I want to join my testimony to theirs. When I get there. With that. All eyes bowed, please, this morning. All eyes closed. If you're here... And you haven't accepted Christ. You haven't made that connection with the Savior. And you absolutely need that connection with the Savior this morning. Just like Paul said, I'm pleading with you. By the mercies of God, do that this morning. At the count of three, all you have to do is put your hand up quickly. Put it back down. I want to pray with you. God's going to hear my prayer as I pray with you. And your name, without a doubt, will be written in the book of life. If there is uncertainty in your heart this morning, that if you die, you will open your eyes on the other side before God in heaven. That's you. You need to make that, settle that today. At the count of three, put your hand up quickly. Put it back down. One, two, three. Put your hand up. Put your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand back there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming back to your father who gave his life for you. You honored him this morning by putting your hand up and he's going to honor, honor you as well. Let's stand up, congregation. especially those that raised their hands up, say this prayer with me. Even if you didn't raise up your hand, but you really want to be a part of this, but you didn't want to do that because of people, that's not a good thing. But say this prayer from your heart. God will write your name in the book of life. Amen? But mean it with all of your heart. Amen? Say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for giving the Lord Jesus to us. Lord God, I receive Christ Jesus into my life today to be my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did that and you meant it, your name is in the book of life. If you went out, God forbid, something happened to you and you happened to be translated to the next life, you close your eyes here and you open your eyes before the Father. And he'll be waiting for you with a big smile because of what you just did. Amen? Let's give him a clap offering this morning. Thank you, Jesus.